Q&A Holes podcast presents The Sea Report for Thursday, March 4th, 2021. Thank you, thank you. And I'm happy to take questions if that's what I'm supposed to do, Nance, whatever you want me to do. Thank you, thank you, and I'm happy to take questions. Hello, 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 hello. Welcome to another edition of The Sea Report here on Q&A Holes Podcast Twitch. I am your host, Mr. C, and I hope you guys are ready for an interesting night of news. Thought I'd open it up there with that little gaffe by Mr. Uh, Illegitimate Joe himself, Mr. Joe Biden, of course, uh, can't even be trusted to um, take questions. They cut it off right away. Well, like I said, we could always depend on Mr. Joe to be making some sort of uh, gaffe. Uh, there was a new one that had come in today. I don't know if I saved it or not. Let's see what we got here. Uh, oh. Here it is. Here's here's another one. It's not as dramatic as uh, I don't know what I'm doing here. Uh, what am I doing here? I'm going to go off the rails. But this one was also kind of fun. Let's take a look real quick. Astounding what you did. You should not underestimate it. You should not underestimate it. You know, you did it the most American way. You believed in science. You believed in hard work. And you believed it wasn't a darn thing you couldn't do if you put your minds together. One of the reasons why we're such an incredible country is we're such a diverse country. We bring the best out of every single solitary culture in the world here in the United States of America. And we give people an opportunity to let their... Let, let, let their dreams run forward. And you, you just, I, I can't tell you how much, uh, you know, uh, everyone was so down the last years about mm -hmm. America still the, the, you know, the font of change. And are we still the country that has hopes and develops and pursues the most unlikely things to happen? And we are. You all demonstrated it. I'm not doing it. I really mean this. It's so much bigger than landing perseverance on Mars. I don't know. Where do you think he starts to lose it there? So that was uh, today about he and perseverance on Mars. All righty, Joe. That's about enough of that. Uh, we'll see where Mr. Joe ends up next. And uh, the, there's no telling. I mean, he doesn't even know where he is in his own head anymore. So uh, uh, anyways, welcome to another edition of the Sea Report. I um, hope you guys are having a great night. I know I am. Uh, we'll be running uh, the Sea Report a little late, but we're still doing it. Ain't nothing to do but to do it, right? N nothing to do but to do it. Okay, so um, what, what are we today? We are Thursday already. We'll get to the headlines in just a sec. Um, we like to open with Trump, but you know, sometimes Trump, since he's not the president anymore, he's not always in the news. However, 
this did surface. I thought I would share it with the audience as per the documentation of it all. Uh, Trump actually did an interview. Um, and this, I guess, was after CPAC on the uh, Fox News channel. Let's go ahead and just give this a listen. Now, this video does have some commercials in it. So I apologize in advance. But uh, look, here they go. Here they go. Here they go. I told you. I told you. I told you. Um, but what I will do is I'll try and get ahead of them because, uh, yeah, that's annoying. But all right. Uh, here's an interview that Trump had briefly in regard to his CPAC speech on Fox News. This evening, big day for you at CPAC. How do you think it went? Well, it's great to be with you, Steve. I think it went really well. The, the crowd, the enthusiasm, and uh, even outside the numbers of people and that enthusiasm, it was great. It was really a great day. Amazing. Um, I want to talk about some of the things you said in the speech in a moment and, and, and the future that you sketched out. But just a couple of I'd love your reaction to a couple of things that have been in the news. Just your quick reactions to that. One of the things you mentioned today was the Abraham Accords, of course, the Middle East peace deals that that you broke. Right. A big part of that was your strong relationship with Saudi Arabia. It's interesting that um, Biden, despite what he said in the campaign, has basically decided not to do anything about crown, the Crown Prince in relation to the Jamal Khashoggi case. And I just wonder whether this is an instance where, with Biden prioritizing, it seems, the Saudi relationship over human rights, this is one area where you actually think he's done the right thing. Well, Saudi Arabia has been an ally of ours, and they've uh, really been a very strong ally, and they spend a tremendous amount of money in the United States buying equipment that they don't have to buy from us. We make the best equipment, by far. But they could buy it from Russia, they could buy it from China, they could buy it from France or other people that make equipment like they want to buy. And, you know, we're talking about $400 billion over a period of years. And unlike a lot of countries, uh, we don't give it free. And uh, they actually pay their bills. So, you know, it's tremendous numbers of jobs. It's uh, a big, big purchaser. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we have to look at that along with everything else. It's unfortunate that the whole incident took place but we have to look at it uh, as an overall and i think they're you know they're viewing it maybe in a similar fashion very interesting actually yeah that's what i thought and uh, but there's another area where it's very different kind of approach to the one that you laid out today that's on the border i just want to um uh, just just reference a, a news report last week, Axios was reporting on this, the HHS officials are saying that the February numbers of children separated from the families at the border are the highest in the history of the program, and, and CBP yep. officials are now projecting that by May there will be 13,000 children separated from their families at the border, way more than anything that occurred on your watch. And my question to you is, do you think that in the end, they'll end up copying your border policy, if only on humanitarian grounds? Well, that I can't tell you, but I do know that this open mat policy that they have, and come on up and uh, share in the sharing the riches, it's been a disaster. People are coming up, they're pouring up from the border safe, and like we haven't seen before, and I think you've seen nothing yet. It's going to be more and more with you, free health care and uh, free everything. You get free everything, things that, that nobody would believe. Education, you see what's going on? They have education and they have schools, 
uh, or classrooms yeah. at least. I don't know if you call them formal schools. And in the meantime, we can't, we won't educate our own children in class. They have to do it by a computer, which is terrible for our children. Terrible. It's unbelievable. And you spoke so strongly about that today, which I know, I mean, I'm so with you on that. Um, there's, one, there's so, so much that I want to get to in your speech. We don't have a huge amount of time. One thing, it was a small thing, but I really appreciated it based on, on my experience working in government. When you were telling the story of how you ended up pushing forward Operation Warp Speed so we have the vaccines today in a way that no one ever predicted. And you specifically said, you know, you really had to fight the FDA and they didn't like it, but you made them do it. That... Um, attitude to take on the bureaucracy seems to be key to getting things done in government. I just wondered if you had any other examples of, of how you did that to make things happen. All right, so they got a quick commercial. Yes, Trump pushed Operation Warp Speed now. Joe Biden says, what? Joe Biden says he didn't even get a shot. What the heck? Well, there are many examples, and you take a look at what's happening with the military spending and some of the things I've done with regard to getting things at a lesser price. And unfortunately, we have uh, elements that, you know, they were ordered a long time ago, and the cost overruns have been horrific. But when you look at warp speed, when you look at Operation Warp Speed, now I was very strong with the, F if the FDA, and the FDA is... You know, strong body of people. Most of them have been there a long time. They're very much ingrained, and uh, they have a way of doing things. And people thought it would take at least five years to get a vaccine, and I would not have it. And I had meetings, and I went through the process of what you have to do. And, mm -hmm. you know, one other thing, we, we took a risk. It was, I think, an educated bet. But we started making vaccines before we knew whether or not they were going to really work. We had a pretty good idea that they were going to. But that would have delayed it for months if we didn't do that. And we put our money where the mouth was or where our mouth was, and we got vaccines made and made very, very early, and if you think about it, the whole process took nine months, and this was something that was supposed to take, as you know, four or five years, and I think the outcome That's was very right. different. I think what we did, we put up research money and research and development money, which I don't think the drug companies would have done without us, and uh, we came up with a vaccine, and it's being credited with as being one of the great miracles of medicine. It saved, uh, you know, we, we talk about the number of lives. I think it saved just tens of millions of lives throughout the world. It's been a tremendous success, and the vaccines are really working. Exactly. Maybe even better than anticipated, and uh, they're getting out there. We got them out very fast. We're up to a million five a day, and uh, we are very proud of that. That's been a tremendous achievement. Well, right, rightly so, and, I, and it was just so outrageous, frankly, to see the incoming Biden administration basically dismiss all that. And I, you must have been pleased to see Admiral Brett Giroir really push back on that. The other day he said 99% of what's happening now with the vaccines was what we put in place. Yeah, and I would only disagree because I would have said 100%. And by the way, he's fantastic. <laughs> he's, he did a great job. And we had others in the military, as you know, uh, when you look at the uh, logistics, we call it logistics, that's what it was. We had that all set up so beautifully and it worked so well. Mm -hmm. And uh, it just automatically just gets better and better. And, you know, we rely on states, but not exclusively. And uh, we're working together with states. Some states do. I could write a book on the ones that do good and the governors that do good and the governors that do badly. I mean, we have some governors that are just atrocious. But... 
despite all of that, uh, the work is getting done and it's being done in record mm -hmm. time. And we're helping other countries besides that, which is very important. That's right. Fairness. That's right. It's not just here. It's around the world. I want to shift um, to, to the more political aspects of what you talked about today. Um, okay. And your future role. You made it clear you are not going to be starting a new party. You want Republicans to be united and to win. Let's talk about the next election coming up, the midterms in 2022. Okay. You announced today that you're going to be getting involved, backing candidates. I had one question there, which is if Ronald McDaniel, who seems to me is doing a terrific job, Boom. says to you, look, a couple of the people that you may want to support through primaries, they re you know, they're really strong in their districts. We don't want to take them out because then the seat might go to the Democrats. Would you listen to her on that? So Ron McDaniel is like the niece of Mittens Romney. And uh, she slow walked some uh, evidence that they were trying to... Oh, is it the uh, counting during the elections? Um in the state that she was running the campaign for. Uh, Rona McDaniel, Mittens Romney, Ilk um, Romney, a name you don't trust in politics. Respect for Rona. She's been terrific. She headed up my Michigan campaign the first time, which was very, very successful. Michigan. It was very successful the second time also, by the way. I think probably more successful. But uh, she was. she's terrific. And no, state I would got to that. You know, there's a practicality, there's an electability, uh, there's a lot of things that go into a decision, but we also have some great people that want to run for office from a lot of different states, and Michigan's one of them, frankly, but uh, no, I, I definitely would listen to a lot of people. And By the way, me... the whole uh, incident, Steve, yeah. of uh, starting another party was fake news. You know, that was started up by the fake news. The last thing I want to do is start another party. All you do is make it easier for the Democrats. And we have, you know, exactly. certain disadvantages in terms of uh, things that are done and the way they're done when you compare Democrats with Republicans to start off with. No, I think we, uh, I would never, I would never even, I would never be interested in another party. We have, other than some particular people, we have great unity in the party. And I think you see that at CPAC today. You see the polls, 90, you saw the 97% poll. And uh, mm -hmm. Mr. McLaughlin, who's, Terrific. That's a terrific uh, brother, a brother tandem. He said these are the best polls that they've ever seen, uh, even stronger than Ronald Reagan polls by a lot, actually. But it was 97 yeah. percent. So the last thing we want to do is let's split it up, whether it be 70 percent, 80 percent or 90 percent. You can't lose 10 percent and be successful. So the last thing I would have done, I would never have yeah. done another party. And that was purely fake news, you know, put out there by the by the press. Another another poll that I was interested in, we're going to be showing this later, actually, is um, I've seen some people out there saying, well, CPAC isn't the Republican Party, and, and therefore you can't uh, assume that their support for you translates across the party. Actually, there was a poll that was done last week, and the support for you in running in 2024 is literally the same number. So, I don't know, it seems to me that all this talk of Republican civil war is another example of a story that's not really real. It feels to me like the agenda that you laid out really is the one that the overwhelming majority of Republicans are now behind. Well, Steve, they want great trade deals, not these horrible deals that we've had for years where the United States get ripped, gets ripped off. You look at, you know, we were losing 504 or 505 billion, not million, billion dollars a year with China. 
and I started taking in massive amounts of hundreds of millions of dollars in tariffs and lots of other things and business was coming back <laughs> and one thing they hated was those tariffs. But, uh, you know, they, they want to have the strangers. They want to have strong military. They want to have strong law enforcement. They want to protect their Second Amendment. They want great education. They want health care. You know, I mean, these are all things that you would think are almost common sense. But, but uh, you know, we're, we're really, I think CPAC is representative very much of the Republican Party. I really do. I, and the people yeah, well, that's the data suggest that, yeah. Yeah, I think I really do. I think it's uh, I think it's very accurate in that sense. So um, let's look ahead uh, beyond 2022, 2024. Um, I'm not expecting any kind of announcement from you. No one is for a while. Uh, but you're a numbers guy. Uh, you teased it a few times today in your speech. <laughs> Would you put a number on the chances that you you're going to want to run again for the presidency next time? All right, well, we'll see what Trump's going to do. Is he going to run again, or is he not? Well, if you look at what just came out of the Republican Party, and, and even separately, CPEC, you know, uh, if you if you look at the kind of numbers, the support is tremendous, but we'll have to see. Look, uh, I got more votes than any sitting president in history, almost 75 million votes. Mm -hmm. uh, we have statistics that are so incredible with the number of seats that we picked up in Congress, and that was done largely, and I worked with a lot of different people, but I was very active between the, the calls and the town yeah. hall meetings and all of the things we did. We lost no seats in Congress, and we picked up 15, and we were expected to lose 20 or 25 seats. I mean, we were they were thinking we were going to lose 20, 25 seats, and we ended up picking up 15. That was a tremendous success. Uh, I think I helped at least 8 to 10 senators get elected. You'd be down 10 right now if I, I didn't get involved, and they understand that. And I have great relationships with most of the senators. We have some that I'm not very fond of. We have some that I think are not good, not talented, not smart, and they're bad for the party. I think they're frankly bad for the country. Uh, but, you know, that is what it is. I guess that's not so unusual. I do say this, the Democrats mm -hmm. are smart. They're vicious. They're very vicious. They're, you know, the, the, what they say and what they do is just uh, terrible. And they have one other thing that is very admirable, and I wish Republicans had more of it. The Democrats, you never see a Mitt Romney going, rogue, which you see him all the time, or a little Ben Sass of Nebraska, great state, great people. How this guy even represents them is just crazy. He wanted my endorsement so badly. Uh, the moment he got through the primaries with my endorsement, uh, he goes rogue, you know, which I sort of expected, frankly, because you got to know the, your customer. But uh, you, you take a look at some of the people. So, look, uh, Democrats don't seem to have that. They stick together. And what they don't have, though, is they have... They don't have good policy. They have horrible policy, whether it's defund the police or open borders or sanctuary cities, which is protecting all sorts of criminals and people that shouldn't be protected and people that cause lots of problems. So they have horrible policy. So they're vicious and smart and they stick together, but they have horrible policy. And the policy, I think, really more than makes up for it. I think we're going to have a tremendous success. And that does that for President Trump. Um, and uh, that was uh, directly after uh, his uh, CPAC speech on this past Sunday. Just something that surfaced uh, in my stream. So I thought I would share it with you all. 
And there we go. We got the C report back up on there on the screen. Okay, so uh, yeah, so I mean, not too much to demystify. I don't think that there was a whole lot to read into um, in regard to uh, Trump's speech, uh, his address that he gave at the as the keynote speaker at CPAC on Sunday. Um, a lot of people were talking about, of course, there was a lot of buzz. And I think uh, the biggest buzz, of course, was probably, well, one of the biggest buzzes was in regards to uh, him staying and uh, maintaining what he believes to be a unified Republican Party, which I believe is correct. It's the seven, uh, seven uh, Republicans that voted to impeach him are the ones that don't belong. Uh, they are the party that they think is the party. Uh, people of that type, I guess you could say, is what I am getting at. All right, let's see what we got up here next in the news. Uh, looks like we'll be talking about, ah, uh, yes, HR1. Uh, we gabbed a little bit about it tonight on the Mr. C and Magadon show a little bit, but um, as we can see, it has passed the House, so we'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, article I have here coming from Newsmax says House Resolution 1 which touches on virtually every aspect of the electoral process, was approved Wednesday night on a near party line at 20, uh, 220 to 210 vote. Now, here is what the bill includes. Do I have another stock image for the bill? No, I don't think so. Um, the bill includes, uh, requires that states, uh, requires states to automatically register eligible voters, create public financing for congressional campaigns, restrict gerrymandering of congressional districts, amend the Constitution to overturn Citizens United, the 2010 Supreme Court decision that allowed a limit, unlimited election spending by corporations and unions, require at least 15 days of early voting in federal elections, restore voting rights to those who have been convicted of felonies and have completed their sentences, Compel Twitter and Facebook to disclose the source of money for political ads on the social media platforms. Require the president and vice president and candidates for those offices to disclose 10 years of their tax returns. Institute an ethics code for the Supreme Court that would apply to justices with an eye toward pre presidential conflicts of interest. Ban congressional lawmakers from serving on corporate boards. Stop lawmakers from using taxpayer money to pay employment discrimination settlements in cases stemming from their actions. So it does sound like it does quite a doozy, this uh, For the People Act. But uh, the things that I think uh, to note specifically would be the voter... Um, the voter election laws that they would be implementing under the For the People Act. Um, because as you read through the bill, and it's quite a hefty bill, you will see that they've basically legalized everything that they did during the 2020 presidential election that helped them basically steal the coup. They, it would expand uh, days for counting votes. Uh, uh, it, would, it would basically legalize all of the unconstitutional changes that the uh, judici judiciary made in certain states and in certain counties during the 2020 presidential election, among other things. So they could retroactively uh, say that they did not 
um, perform a coup on uh, January 20th, whenever Biden illegitimately signed himself into office uh, on that day. On that day, that inauguration day. So uh, that's just a little bit about that there. It says a proposed amendment to lower the voting age from 18 to 16 was defeated in the House and was not included in the final bill. The bill aims to counter voting rights, safeguards, advancing and Republican-controlled state houses across the country in the wake of former President Donald Trump's claim of a stolen 2020 election. Uh, It faces an uncertain fate in the Democrat-controlled Senate, where it has little chance of passing without changes to procedural rules that currently allow Republicans to block it. Now, um, former former incarnations of this bill have made it to the Senate before. Uh, Republicans have favored a bill as such before. So we'll see what these Republicans do. I think we should sound the alarms. I think that there is some compelling... uh, um, ideas in here that some people would want to implement uh the stuff that would take care of the black money as promised but i mean if the house democrat run is passing a bill uh that supposedly takes care of black money or supposedly levels the playing field or supposedly breaks apart some type of uh trust or what have you i really doubt that in the fine print it does what it says um, the Democrats and they have been, they've been pretty good at, at, well, I mean, I mean, both sides, the Democrats and the Republicans have been pretty good about giving us bills and legislation that do exactly the opposite of what it claims to do. So I would not, uh, I would not, um, trust this farther than I could throw somebody and I wouldn't throw anyone. So I wouldn't trust it. All right, let's see what we have up here next in the news. Looks like we have a clip coming up. Uh, This story, FBI official says no guns were recovered during Capitol riots. So we're going to talk about the Capitol Day events and, you know, uh, some stories kind of in that neck of the woods. Uh, This comes from investigative reporter Chuck Ross. Uh, A top FBI counterterrorism official testified on Wednesday that no firearms were recovered during arrests of rioters who breached the U.S. Capitol on January 6th. Pause the article. Now, this is important because we had little panty boy Joaquin Castro, um, Democrat of Texas, up there during the impeachment trial saying Donald Trump is a liar. He lied. Donald Trump lies. And then he says there were thousands of armed insurgents storming the Capitol. Little panty boy Joaquin Castro and his twin brother. What's his twin brother's name? Juan? No. Anyways. um, Thousands of armed insurgents, Joaquin said, to impeach the president president. Thousands of armed MAGA insurgents stormed the Capitol to kill every last senator and hang uh, Vice President Mike Pence. All right, Joaquin, thousands. And what does this report say? It says no firearms were recovered during arrests of rioters who breached 
the United States Capitol. So you would think if there weren't at least thousands of armed insurgents there that day at the Capitol, that at least the ones who broke in and actually got into the Capitol building would have had arms, right? I mean, they all had arms they were pushing, right? But weapons, guns, something. Um, so... Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin. Oh, you've heard it here before on the Sea Report. Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin. Oh, Ron Johnson. <laughs> he, we finally get to see this man. I'm finally going to show you Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin. <laughs> He's just having a diddly of a time at the Senate hearings asking FBI officials uh, this or that about firearms at, uh, the, uh, Capitol Day, uh, insurrection. False flag! Uh, take it away, Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin. You're aware of. Uh, Senator, we uh, issued a bulletin last night, uh, co-authored with the FBI about, uh, extremists discussing, discussing March 4th and March 6th. Is that, is that what you're referring to? It's a joint yes, intelligence bulletin we released last night around, it was very late, midnight, I think. Yes. Okay. Well, again, so the threats are ongoing. Yes. Uh, General Walker, uh, to review the timeline, at the 149, uh, Chief Sund contacted you. Uh, at 215, the Capitol was breached. Uh, I think in your testimony, you said you had uh, available 340 DC National Guard troops, is that correct? Well, sir, it was actually half of that. So so half were on the streets helping the Metropolitan Police Department. The other half would have came in to relieve them. But uh, but we would have called them in to come in. Okay, so you had 40 in the quick, re uh, quick reaction force, correct? Yes, sir. So had you been able to, you know, had this all been pre-approved by the Secretary of Defense, and I'm mindful of, of the considerations of having military involved in civil dis disturbances. I think that's part of the issue. Uh, some of the blowback that occurred uh, with, the, with the spring instances, how quickly could have you gotten how many people to the Capitol? 20 minutes. How many people? 150. Okay. I think mean, that's important information to have. Um, I think, quite honestly, what we need to do here is we need to completely reconstruct what happened. And I mean completely re reconstructed. We, we need to obtain eyewitness testimony from different vantage points, from different perspectives, and that's certainly what I've tried to do. Uh, Ms. Sanborn, how many points of confrontation occurred during the riot? I mean, in other, in other words, were these primarily at choke points, doors, windows that were breached, and then inside the Capitol, again, uh, outside the House chamber? Or, or was there a, you know, the Capitol is 751 feet long. Was this a 751 long line that's, that the uh, Capitol Police and other law enforcement were, were battling uh, protesters? Uh, thank you for the question. I think we're still in the process of gathering that data. Obviously, the folks that we have charged, we've charged for breaching and getting inside. And so we at least know that at some point they got through a choke point. The actual distance of how long that was is still part of what we're examining, sir. 
Um, let me help you out, Miss Jill Sanborn. Miss Jill Sanborn happens to have the... Jill, be careful, girl. Because you get in that hood eyebrow, just like Nancy Pelosi has. You see that? It's right... Them eyeballs are getting sunken into that head. What causes that? Anyways, Jill Sanborn, let me tell you about the depth of the line of patriots that were trying to get into the Capitol. She, he's like, and, and you know, Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin, um, he's actually doing a, as as fumbled as he is in his uh, mouth speech. He's um he's actually doing a lot better than some of the guys did during the uh, the other FBI hearing or some of the other senators. Oh, I think it was actually part of the same FBI. <laughs> oh my goodness, like Grassley and uh, there was another one, man. He was just he was terrible. Um, he was like, oh, so you, you basically you show up and you do your job, and he was like, well. Yeah, that was the one with FBI Director Ray. Uh, I watched that one. That one was pretty painful. Um, I was, it was more so to study Ray. But anyways, so she's being asked if uh, most of the points of contact here were at choke choke centers, which are bottlenecks, you know, like doorways or gateways or wherever they have the barricades, or if it was like... Uh, 750 feet of patriots all storming at the same time. And then you had this other Yahoo that was going on about, oh, I could have had 150 men there in 20 minutes. Let me tell you something. If Mark Esper had still been the Secretary of State, they would have had 100 or 300 people there shooting all of his patriots. That's what they would have done. Anyways, this is almost over. But here we've got all kinds of video all kinds of photographs so you obviously are examining that and from that video you've been able to arrest uh, 300 people 300 people have been charged 18 have been charged with conspiracy 40 have been, 40 have been arrested for assault on law enforcement officers so have you looking at those videos maybe not been able to identify the people but have you counted the number of people that you want to identify for example that, that will probably be charged with assault so we're still doing that, um, and that number increases just like the arrests every day. And so far, we have identified hundreds of people that we're trying to still identify. Okay. Well, again, we've got 300 individuals have been charged, 40 have been charged by assault. Do you, do you expect the, the hundreds of people to be charged with assault, or will those be disorderly contact, unlawful entry? I mean, what? Give me some sort of sense okay. of, of the the extent of this absolutely it's a fair question so i think the charges have ranged from everything from trespassing to obstruction to definitely assault on federal officers we have a fair number of those and so the charges based on the actual behavior that the individual partook that day definitely vary how many firearms were uh, confiscated uh, in the capitol or, or on capitol grounds during that day to my knowledge we have not recovered any on that day from any other arrests at the scene at this point but i don't want to speak on behalf of metro and capitol police okay. but to my knowledge none so nobody's been charged with an actual firearm weapon in the capitol or on capitol grounds correct the closest we came was the vehicle that uh, had the Molotov cocktails in it and when we did a search of that vehicle later on there was a weapon but how, how many shots were fired that we know of i believe the only shots that were fired were the ones that resulted in the death of the um one lady Okay. Well, again, I, I appreciate the, the chair's comments about uh, a bipartisan, nonpartisan. Uh... All right. And there you have it. We took five minutes just to get to the point. 
There was no armed insurgents storming the capital. Panty boy Joaquin Castro. No armed insurgents. I hope you guys got that. I hope it wasn't too hard to understand. Uh, it was a bunch of patriotic families out there singing hymns and, um, you know, there were a couple of people that were a little angry, but they weren't, uh, I mean, there was families out there, guys, for crying out loud. It was, it was not what the media has painted it out to be, and I will say that, I will shout it from the mountain until I am blue in the face, and my face can get quite blue sometimes. Looks like we have Mississippi, M-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-P-P-I, in the news today. Let's see what's going on with uh, Mississippi. It says, uh, oh, oh, yes. So I, I, I did say that these would be kind of all related to um, the Capitol Day incident. So this is how this uh, story for Mississippi is related. It has to do with election fraud, which wouldn't have happened... Uh, uh, the Capitol Day election uh, false flag had there not been this massive election fraud that led to a coup that the Democrats are now trying to legalize via HR1. Massive 78% of mail-in ballots proved fraudulent. Judge orders election do-over. So in Mississippi, where they have the wherewithal to... Uh, you know, uh, jump the gun on Texas and open up um, a whole week earlier than anyone else. And then also uh, actually call people out on their election fraud shenanigans. This story comes from uh, the great state of Mississippi. A Mississippi judge ruled in favor of a new election following overwhelming evidence of mail-in ballot fraud. In the 64-page order, Judge Jeff Weil, Weil not only calls for a new election, but also finds evidence of fraud and criminal activity in how absentee ballots were handled, how votes were counted, and the actions by some at the polling place, local news reports. Hmm, this kind of sounds like everything that every Trump supporter ever said about the 2020 election ever. The race in question, a Democrat primary, occurred in Ward 1 of Aberdeen, Mississippi, for the position of alderman between candidates Robert Duvall and Nicholas Holliday. The judge's ruling revealed that 66 of 84 absentee ballots, nearly 79%, cast in the June runoff were fraudulent. Shall we repeat? The judge's ruling revealed that 66 of 84 absentee ballots, nearly 79%, were fraudulent. Notary Dallas Jones, responsible for authorizing the fraudulent ballots, testified that she notarized about 30-something ballots at one house alone. The investigation also found that 83 regular ballots were counted without being initialed by election workers. The court is on of the opinion that there is probable cause that several individuals involved in the disturbances 
during election day at the polling precinct willfully and corruptly violated one or more of the above criminal statutes court filing state the court will leave the uh, leave to the appropriate authorities to determine whether actions of maurice howard henry randall and s nicholas holiday amounted to prosecutable crimes so the same uh the same things going on in louisiana are being reported across the country but they're not listening at the federal level to the same exact complaints but at the state level mississippi they're taking care of it there's more juicy details on this story let's go ahead and get some rolling a judge orders a new runoff election for the ward one alderman seat in aberdeen WCBI's Allie Martin has details of the judge's ruling, which comes after a hearing in January when witnesses were questioned and evidence presented. In the 64-page order, Judge Jeff Wheel not only calls for a new election, but also finds evidence of fraud and criminal activity in how absentee ballots were handled, how the votes were counted, and the actions by some at the polling place. In his ruling, the judge said that 66 of 84 absentee ballots cast in the June runoff were not valid and should never have been counted. Nicholas Holliday was declared the winner by a 37-vote margin. Robert Duvall challenged the results in court. Judge Wheel found many irregularities with absentee ballots. He issued a bench warrant for notary Dallas Jones, who notarized absentee ballots. During a hearing, Jones admitted violating notary duties. She has been arrested and charged with voter fraud. Her bond is set at $500. When you have an absentee ballot, there's an envelope, and you, and you vote, and then you follow the ballot up, and you put it in this envelope, and you, then you lick the flap, and then you sign across the flap, and then the notary signs your election certificate. And she essentially testified that Nobody, she didn't sign in front of anybody. She didn't see anybody sign it. She just notarized them. She just stamped them. Jones also testified that she was called to the home of then alderwoman Lady Garth in June to correct her father's absentee ballot paperwork. While there, Jones testified she notarized about 30-something ballots. The judge also found that 83 regular ballots were counted without being initialed by election workers another violation. Judge Wheel also said there was clear evidence of voter intimidation and harassment at the polling place on election day. State law says candidates and supporters must stay at least 150 feet away from the polling place. In his ruling, the judge said Holiday, along with police chief Henry Randall and former mayor Maurice Howard, acted as if they were above the law, repeatedly violating criminal statutes. Duvall is hopeful the judge's order for a new election will mean a fair contest for the Ward 1 seat. It was always, uh, you know, a lot of distraction in Ward 1 for some uh, reason. And that's when I said earlier, i like to see going forward that uh, that be cleaned up, and people be able to come and go as they like to to vote and vote who they uh, want to. Aldermen meet Tuesday. They're expected <laughs> to set a new election for Ward 1 during that meeting. In Aberdeen, Allie Martin, WCBI News.
Aberdeen City Attorney Walter Zinn, who represented Holiday, uh, issued a statement late this afternoon saying in part that they're disappointed by the ruling and exploring all uh, legal options. You can read the entire judge's order at WCBI.com. All right. So that's a little bit about what's going on in that regard. And so it just goes to show because like we have election fraud, like I said, that happened on a massive scale. There was also voter intimidation at the polls. And it's so funny because, um, you know, you had groups again like Antifa and we will have Antifa in the news a little later on. Um, but uh, you have uh, groups like Antifa who are going on and they are saying things to the effect that uh, voter intimidation was happening on the side of Trump supporters going out and intimidating colored people and brown people from wanting to go out and vote for Joe Biden when we know that was not the case because we brown people were going out to vote for Donald Trump. All right, uh, so here we have next up a follow-up to uh, some of what's going on over yonder in Michigan. So uh, some people are just dying to know what the hot gossip is on the COVID-19 nursing home death scandal. If you're looking at the screen here, we have pictured one Miss Governor Gretchen Whitmer of Michigan, who her days are finally catching up to her as it has been discovered that just like Killer Cuomo, governor of New York City, uh, she admitted, uh, she mandated that uh, COVID positive patients or those rehabilitating from COVID be admitted into nursing homes um, without test or nonetheless anything else. This article comes from a Washington Examiner. A lawsuit is being prepared against Gretchen, Governor Gretchen Whitmer for allegedly not releasing COVID-19 data on nursing home debts after her policy sent COVID-19 positive patients into nursing homes. So we see this uh, kind of pattern actually went down with Cuomo. Uh, first thing we had with Cuomo was we had an investigation by his New York State Attorney General, Letitia James, into the numbers that were reported in regards to the COVID deaths and the nursing homes uh, operating during the outbreak of the COVID pandemic or plandemic or shamdemic. Um, we had five other, uh, oh, and so uh, Governor James, uh, um, uh, uh, sorry, I apologize, Attorney General James went ahead and uh, pressed into the matter. And now it looks like someone is putting an inquiry into the death toll of the nursing home residencies in Gretchen Whitmer's state of Michigan. So uh, it start, all it starts is with asking the question. Uh, and she has apparently blocked getting that information. So state data says at least 36% of the state's COVID-19 deaths or 5,523 nursing home residents have died of COVID-19 while 70 staff members died. Uh, Mackinac Center for Public Policy spokesperson Holly Witzel said the Mackinac Center Legal Foundation agreed to represent Pulitzer Prize winning journalist Charlie Leduff. In a case regarding the state of Michigan uh, and their refusal to release data on nursing home deaths, 
Mr. Leduff approached us after being denied access to the records that underlie the data being reported by the state. Witzel wrote in an email, we are seeking access to those records to be able to compare them to the numbers being reported by the states. Um, and to gain better understanding of COVID's effect on Michigan. Leduff tweeted, we are preparing a lawsuit against Governor Whitmer of, Mich of Mich Michigan. She refuses to turn over COVID death data and accurate nursing home numbers to the public. All the way to the Supreme Court, Madame. Thanks to um, Mackinac Center, who has agreed to take our case. Leduff's tweet continued, Whitmer copied most everything from Cuomo on nursing homes, except one huge difference. Cuomo stopped COVID-positive people from returning home back in May. Whitmer still allows it in Michigan, even vetoed bipartisan bills to ban it. Release the data, Madam Governor. Oh, ho, 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 the plot thickens. The plot thickens, Miss Whitmer. The plot thickens. So Governor Cuomo, even though, you know, he is usually lost in the gloss of his own um, sheen in the mirror, uh, still had enough sense to uh, tell people if you're positive for COVID, stop going into nursing homes back in May. So March to April, April to May. Between March and May, uh, Co uh, Cuomo, Killer Cuomo, had positive patients going into nursing homes. And he underreported by 6,000 deaths. 9,000 to, uh, what, uh, 15,000, right? Miss Gretchen Whitmer, I ask you, ma'am, if from March to March you have been ordering and mandating positive COVID patients to be going into nursing homes, what might in fact the inflation rate of your COVID-19 nursing home death scandal be? I wonder. Hmm. I think uh, even though the jury is out on that one right now, you might have uh, successfully killed more people than Cuomo and 9-11 put together. I guess we'll find out. All right. So uh, in wrapping up this article, it says at the time, state officials said they did the best they could to, with information known about COVID-19. The lawsuit follows breaking news that former state health director Robert Gordon was given a 155 $1,506 taxpayer-funded payout after he abruptly resigned in January. The deal raised additional questions whether the payout bought Gordon silence about Whitmer's COVID-19 nursing home policy of sending COVID-19 positive patients into nursing homes. Representative Annette Glenn, Republican of Midland, said... Now she's doubling down on this troubling taxpayers in the dark mindset, even more by forcing taxpayers to finance keeping states, uh, state employees quiet after they no longer work for the state, Glenn said in a statement. Why these brazen, ongoing, escalating in-your-face schemes to keep people quiet at all costs, even if she has to use taxpayers' money to do it? The people of Michigan have a right to know. So something tells me that if she gets any COVID relief for her state, Gretchen Whitmer will be using it to buy the silence of her constituents. 
In a Tuesday press conference, Whitmer cited her confidentiality agreement in not answering direct questions about the severance package, but said she bristles at the characterization that the six-figure payout was hush money. Okay, Miss Whitmer. Um, we'll see, in fact, if that is the case. All right, let's see what we got next to the news. Alabama hits the C report tonight. Let's see what's going on in old Bama. All right, Alabama Senate votes to make hormone therapy and surgery for trans youth a felony. Oh, this is going to be a fun one. Okay. All right. Before we get into this article, I am going to do a live reset of our um, Spreaker recording because you have to keep in mind that even though we are doing this live on Twitch, we still have to use, you know, like a prehistoric means to get it on Spreaker. Give me just a moment. Okay, now now we are back to the C report and we'll be reporting on Alabama. But first, make sure you stop into QAholespodcast.com. Check out QA Holes, give us some love and support, follow our blog and share and subscribe. And also hop on over to QA Holes at Patreon, become a patron. We have a whole bunch of different perk levels, but really just support the podcast so we can keep pumping out podcasts like this. C reports just, you know, about a little bit of opinion with a little bit of news. And and, uh, of course, we have our other programs, such as our flagship Wednesday and Saturday Q&A Holes podcast with Mr. W, Mr. Y, and myself. The weekly Q&A Holes news break with Joe, one of two uh, special reports with Magadon and the Mr. C and Magadon show. And there's no telling what else we'll pump out at some point. Now, we have ignored Bama for long enough, so let's go ahead and talk a little bit about Bama. Now, what has Bama gone and done? Bama has gone, done, made it illegal to uh, give hormone therapy or do sexual reassignment surgery on, surgery on trans youth. Well, why do they have to make this a law is the first thing that I would like. Do you want to know why they have to make this a law? They have to make this a law because of people like that. Do you see that right there? Do you see this? You know people over in Washington, D.C. You know people who represent idiots like this in the trans community. You probably could have done a little better if you were going to send a trans director who has no problems with, uh, you know, uh, parentless children getting sexual reassignments under the age of 18, who has no problem at all with such a thing. She, in fact, had no problem with sending people to their death in the state of Pennsylvania when the governor, under her advice, went ahead and allowed COVID-positive patients back into nursing homes. Yes, it's the same story yet again, Dr. Rachel Levine. The Leviathan transgender potato head from Pennsylvania, who's currently up for assistant secretary, House and, uh, was it, the uh, HHS secretary, um, a nomination in Biden's cabinet. We're going to hammer this hard because we're a daily show and come on, she's a potato head. After all, she saved her mom, but sent everyone else's mother to their death 
in the nursing homes of Pennsylvania. Getting back to Bama, CBS News reports under a new law, transgender youth in Alabama could not be treated with puberty blockers, hormone therapy, or surgery. The state Senate voted to make the treatment a felony on Tuesday. Senators voted 23 to 4 to approve the measure, dubbed the Vulnerable Child Compassion and Protection Act, sponsored by Republican Senator Shay Shelnut. The bill now heads to the State House of Representatives, which has already approved a companion bill. And uh, there is a picture of Mr. Shelnut on the screen. Senators voted, uh, oh wait, the two bills would make it a felony for medical professionals to treat transgender minors under the age of 19 with gender-affirming care. Violators could face up to 10 years in prison or a $15,000 fine. Now, isn't that funny, right? The way that it's, it's, it's described. Now, if you're a transgender person and you're someone like this potato head, Dr. Rachel Levine, you will say that... Uh, you will say that any kind of medication that we give to uh, um, a, a people who are of a transgender, um, and, and please understand that transgender is a very brand new and very diverse and very wild, wild west uh, field of medicine right now uh, that we're still doing studies on and we don't even know, but we have, we have gender affirming care. I was trying my best to do a trans Fozzie bear voice. Anyways, okay. What, okay, so let me get back to the article. The bill also requires school staff in the state to disclose to parents that a, minor, a minor's perception that his or her gender is inconsistent with their his or her age. Essentially, teachers would be required to out transgender students to their guardians regardless of whether they are ready to do so. Well, that's interesting, too, because quite often it was what that we see uh, staff of Planned Parenthood teaching uh, underage children, let alone transgender children, how to get abortions and, and how to have sex with condoms. And, and we see like student and uh, teachers and staff uh, taking it upon themselves to be the teachers of these things. And I don't have children, but still, I would not be comfortable with a stranger teaching my children those types of things. Anyways, uh, it goes on to say children aren't mature enough to make these decisions on surgeries and drugs. Shellnut, let me get Shellnut back on. There we go. There's Mr. Shellnut told the Associated Press. The whole point is to protect kids. While similar measures have been considered across the country, Alabama would be the first state to pass such a bill. Parents, members of the transgender community, <clears throat> And medical ex experts opposed to the bill say it is dangerous and that lawmakers do not understand the already difficult process to receive gender-affirming care. The bills run counter to medical science, prevailing standards of treatments for transgender youth and basic human dignity. The American Civil Liberties Union of Alabama said in a statement, I don't know about that. The bill runs counter to medical science. What is medical science? Just because science proves that you can chop off a person's private part and then open up a new like 
private part, I mean, yeah, scientifically, you can do that. Does it mean that you should do it to a child who hasn't even developed hormonally speaking, let alone gen genetically, genitally speaking? No, you shouldn't. The Alabama ACLU, along with the Southern Poverty Law Center, another one that you don't want to hear about, Action Fund, AIDS Alabama, and several other groups organized in-person and visual protests against the bills on Tuesday. Oh my goodness, because a child who is confused about their gender is going to need, uh, is going to be depressed and is going to want to be sexually reassigned. And then they're going to need validation. And that's when you're going to get a pervert up in there trying to get these gender perverts to, ugh. Lawmakers are insisting that they know what's best for transgender young people and ignoring the recommendations of medical experts, including the American Academy of Pediatrics, the American Medical Association, and more. Allison Scott, a director at the Campaign for Southern Equality, said in a statement Tuesday, it's effectively endangering many possible lifelines for a transgender child. Under this bill, they can't go to their doctor for help and they can't seek counsel or comfort from their teachers or staff. Um, they can't go to their doctor to get their genitals chopped off and warped. The House is also currently considering House Bill 391, which would ban trans youth from playing on school sports teams that align with their gender identity. Okay. Which would ban trans youth. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, you heard it from President Trump. Now, this was, this was a before Trump said it at CPAC kind of thing. Everyone knows that it's not fair for a trans woman to join the women's you know wrestling team and when she starts breaking the clavicles and pelvises and wrist ca uh, wrist uh, uh rib cages of women and you wonder why all of a sudden she won it's like the episode of south park i'm sorry you guys have seen it you guys know what i'm talking about uh so um I'm sorry that Mississippi has just ruined all of the dreams of the effeminate little boys that want to play on the girls' water polo team. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You can play dress up at home. I did. Okay. Anyways, let's finish this article. This legislation will endanger young trans lives in Alabama. Oh, God, these people. It contradicts the consensus of major medical associations and the overwhelming evidence that demonstrates how affirming transgender and non-binary youth and their identities reduces suicide risk and improves health. Sam Brinton, VP of Advocacy and Government Affairs at the LGBTQ organization, the Trevor Project said in a statement Wednesday. Okay, so come on, Trevor. Or not Trevor. Come on, Sam. Like, I get it. I, I think that it doesn't mean that there shouldn't be maybe groups um, on campus that are student-run, not faculty-run. Because I've seen faculty-run and I've seen adult-run youth gay centers where they were just screwing the kids. Like... The kids were just having sex with the counselors. Like, that's all that that was. Like, that's what was going on. And I was, I don't know, like 15. I didn't because that's not my style. I was a late bloomer. Anyways, 
but I knew about it and I didn't know it was wrong. I didn't know it was statutory rape. I didn't know that these adult gay men were not supposed to be, you know, um, making butt buddies out of 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 year old men in boys, not even men in San Antonio, Texas. Go look for them. Go look for the uh, youth trend, uh, youth center here in San Antonio. That's what they were doing back in the early 2000s. Anyways, so um, this, I, I, I really don't, I don't trust most organizations, honestly, um, but any of these type, but for them to say that, yes, I get it. Uh, uh, young adults who are confused about their gender, confused about their sexuality, don't know left from right, don't know left from right, up from down, you know, it can be confusing. It, they, they can, there can be suicide. I don't see why that there couldn't be, uh, say, like a, a student-run group, for example, that um, you can disclose those types of things in secret. Um, but say this goes before a teacher or something like. I mean, I get it. They just they don't want teachers to suddenly start planning the sexual operation of students. Uh, they don't want school nurses to take it upon themselves to, um, you know, uh, uh, fundraise on behalf of little Emily Sue, who suddenly decides that she does not want to be a woman and wants to chop off her still growing bosoms. You know what I mean? Like, but uh, it, it's 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 for a parenting, but it is a, it's a slippery road being a gay man myself and knowing a lot of gay individuals growing up, you know, like and the whole family situation. It's a lot more easier and understandable and accepted these days than it was. Um, even in my day, and it was still pretty easy back in my day. It wasn't it, it wasn't what some people say. I'm from Texas, y'all. Anyways, there's absolutely no compassion in threatening doctors. <clears throat> with uh, imprisonment for providing trans youth with the best practice care they need to survive and thrive. The point of the matter is the doctor should not be making this decision. That's the point of the matter. The point of the matter is they are preventing doctors from like Planned Parenthood, performing um, abortions and and teaching sexual, uh, you know, sex care to children behind parents' backs. Uh, there was this whole, this whole like news segment and documentary on Planned Parenthood uh, facilities that were giving abortions to girls and they weren't telling their parents. They were giving them Plan B. They were doing all this stuff. Well, what do you think is going to happen when little, you know, when little Bobby Brown decides that he wants to be a woman but is too afraid to tell his family and he goes to Planned Parenthood and has them chop off his wee? Like, hello? And then, and then, and then years down the line... He's depressed and he wished he hadn't had Planned Parenthood chop off his wee-wee and he commits suicide. And you wonder why you should let children develop all the way until their body stops and then they can make those decisions. Um, live life a little, you know, like, you know, live life a little. All right, let's see what else we got coming in the news today. Uh, oh, yeah, don't forget <coughs> the trans potato head. I think it's thinks it's okay to chop off the genitals of orphans and uh, give hormones to orphans and also thinks it's okay to send uh, COVID-positive patients into nursing homes 
as long as her mom isn't one of them. She pulled her out of the nursing home before the uh, mandate went into effect. Dr. Rachel Levin, who is up for HHS nomination in the Biden cabinet as secretary, assistant secretary. South Carolina, I'm feeling fine. We got you in the news today, darling. South Carolina Senate votes to add firing squad to execution methods. Oh, in the line of all of this mess that's going on. You know, they're trying to repeal the death penalty like crazy, like uh, politicians are so afraid of the death penalty for some reason. I wonder what's up with that. What do you think? What do you think the real reason why politicians are trying to repeal the death penalty? We'll leave that one up. The jury's out on it, I guess. Uh, this one from the Epic Times, South Carolina Senate voted on March 2nd in favor of a measure that added firing squads as an alternative execution method for the state's death row inmates. A bipartisan group of lawmakers voted 32 to 11 to give the bill a second reading. The measure, which would allow the state to restart executions after nearly a decade, states the firing squad method may be used only if the state can't execute condemned inmates by way of lethal injection. Currently, South Carolina isn't able to place inmates on death row as its supply of lethal injection drugs has expired and it hasn't been able to purchase more due to a shortage nationwide. The state's last execution was May 2011. At present, condemned inmates are able to choose between electric chair and lethal injection, and since the drugs aren't available, many have chosen the lethal injection method as the state is then unable to force inmates to be executed by means of electrocution. The Senate bill keeps a lethal injection if the state has the drugs, but requires prison officials to use the electric chair if it does not. An inmate could choose firing squad if they prefer. The state has been unable to purchase lethal injection drugs for about five years as drug manufacturers seek to limit how their products are used. As a result, two scheduled executions so far have been pushed back. For several years, as most of you know, South Carolina has not been able to carry out execution, State Senator Greg Hembree, a co-sponsor of the bill, told the Senate floor. The state reported, families are waiting. Victims are waiting. The state is waiting. Okay, Mr. Hembree, I don't think you needed that last part in there. Makes you sound a little blood hungry. The House is considering a similar bill without the firing squad option, but it would also consider the Senate version after a procedural vote finalizes the bill later this week. To date, there are 37 inmates on death row in the state. Late last year, the Department of Justice, DOJ, amended its protocols to allow executions to be carried out by alternatives that include electrocution, firing squad, and poison gas. Effective December 24, 2020, the latest rule allows authorities to allow death sentences to be carried out by a lethal injection or use any other manner prescribed by the law of the state in which the sentence was imposed, with some states permitting methods such as inhaling nitrogen gas or death by firing squad. Former President Donald Trump repeatedly expressed support for capital punishment and restarted the practice at the federal level last year after a 17-year hiatus. Trump argued that executions serve as an effective deterrent and an appropriate punishment for some crimes, including mass shootings and the killings of police officers. 
President Joe Biden, meanwhile, is the first sitting U.S. president to openly oppose the death penalty and has discussed potentially instructing the DOJ to stop scheduling new executions, according to the Associated Press. All right, so there we go, Carolina. They are getting, uh, South Carolina, they are getting uh, firing squads going again as a way to, um, uh, I guess, clean up the stop that they have going on over there. Not enough people, uh, not enough, uh, not enough drugs to uh, inject over there. I guess is what's going on. All right, next up in the news, uh, we only got a couple more stories, as I promised. Antifa, they are planning a violent national autonomous day of action. Their uh, their uh, call to arms. The kids won't be quiet. They're going to start a riot. All right, ladies and gentlemen, look out because coming March 6th, a giant LARP convention all across America as live action role playing Antifa hits the streets. <laughs> just kidding. But no, seriously, they're, they're planning to do something. So we're just going to talk a little bit about it here on the Sea Report Throw it out there into the ether sphere. See if it's a uh, uh, effective IIA, <laughs> or if it is uh, if it is uh, just going to um, uh, throw a wrench in their plans. Let's see what happens. Okay. Now, Antifa is planning another day of chaos and destruction. They're calling it the Autonomous Day of Action, and it's scheduled for March sixth. So you guys have one day to plan. Unless they surprise attack and do it tomorrow. Um, the uh, let's see, it sees. Oh, oh, we have a video. Um, oh, this is this is their call to action. It's a video that was created by Full Affinity, who is an Antifa activist who has publicly voiced support for radical acts of violence in order to change the system. Let's see what this yo-yo has in his video. Uh, for this planned day of autonomous action. Well, it looks like nothing, honey mama. There we go. Okay. Ah, uh, yes. And, and thanks to Taylor Hansen for this article. Okay. Let's, uh, let's see what we got. Okay, so they make this uh, obnoxious video. (laughs) 
Uh, okay, so apparently March 6th is the day of action, everybody. Go and get ready. Grab your Antifa uh, gear and riot gear. Go go to uh, John Sullivan's webpage. You know, people are going to start to think I'm plugging for this dude. I'm not. If you have an increase in riot gear because uh, I keep bringing you up John Sullivan, I think you owe me a percentage. Um, and then I'm going to take that money and I'm going to donate it to Trump's personal political campaign managers i'm just kidding uh I, yeah i would send it to trump anyways okay so uh, this is the antifa video uh hooray hooray everyone get ready here they come right um on the official website at full affinity provided the following statement we're calling for an autonomous day of action uh a day of creation and destruction he is shiva hear him roar uh, get organizing. Keep it quiet. Keep it serious. Stay safe. So obviously, this full affinity has mastered the art of double speak, and he's like, "We're gonna create and destroy. We're gonna organize and we're gonna disorganize. We're gonna, uh, but stay quiet." I don't get that. Keep it quiet. What's that supposed to mean? Don't oh 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 is he try is he trying to say to camouflage? Uh you couldn't figure out a better way to put it? Full affinity? Keep it quiet. How about digital camouflage? Oh, I'm sorry. The Patriots took that one. Uh it says uh 6th March, get in action, F shit up, target capitalism. Because Lord knows capitalism did not get them the app or the computer or the phone that he's posting all of this stuff and creating all of this digital artwork and websites on. Target the state because Lord knows the state did not put in order all of the laws and regulations that has got him here to this point. Oh, we don't want wrong. We don't want regulations really, but laws aren't always such a bad thing as long as they don't impede on your rights. Fight injustice. Squat your local empty. Squat your local empty. What the hell does that mean? I'm gonna have to ask Magadon what that means. Help the homeless community. Drop some banners. Be gay. Do crime. Now here's the thing. Gay guys will do stupid crime. Like it's stupid. Be gay. Do crime. Oh God. And it it is the gay guys that do the stupidest things when it comes to like SJW crap. Anyways. We want direct action against the system. Anything you can do to attack the state. This March 6th, the kids won't be quiet. We're going to riot. They're like, we are not going to take it. No, we ain't going to. Ah, dang it. Trump and the Patriots already used that one. You mean we can't be twisted, sister? We can't be gay and do crime because Trump already took the twisted sister song. Dang it. Yep. Sorry, guys. Trump beat you to it. Sorry, sucks to be slow like you guys are, Antifa. All right, so here's what we're going to do now. Just to take a little bit of a peeky boogander at uh, these these um, these uh, riot kids who are not going to be quiet. We're going to look at their website. What do you say? These guys who are crying, they're planning this quiet day of action. Who's arranging this quiet day of action? Well, it seems to be none other than the green anti-capitalist media that did not use capitalist, capitalist means to set up this website. I guarantee it. Green anti-capitalist media 
Uh, home. What is GAF? The Green Anti-Capitalist Front is an alliance of groups and individuals united by a belief that capitalism is one of the core causes of the environmental crisis threatening us all, and that the costs of this crisis are falling on the poor and powerless. In the face of this crisis, the governments of the world seem more interested in propping up capitalist profits than preventing disaster, so we also believe that a disruptive campaign of direct action will be needed to prevent ongoing environmental destruction and prevent those who profit from this destruction from shifting the costs of the working class. You know, I remember, like, kids that would set up websites and were all like, yeah, man, let the, yeah, fight the power. And it was all rhetoric. I mean, I wonder if this is what this is. It's just, this is so stupid. Like, I, I don't, I don't, these people are so dumb. Like, what is CAM? Green anti-capitalist media. Like, what world are these people living in? Uh, in the face of this crisis? Well, wait, what was the crisis again? Uh, capitalism is one of the core cause of the environmental crisis because all men are greedy. Wah, wah, wah. Because all men want money and and capitalism, capitalism, capitalism. And, and, and you know what? These green anti-capitalist people, they need to remember one thing. They're usually vegetarian. And guess what? Vegetarians, they usually like 50% gassier than omnivores. And your farts are the ones that are causing this ozone layer to deplete and this Arctic blast to come down to Texas. You should be charged for the uh, Paris Climate Accords, not me. Anyways, what is GAM? Uh, more crybaby, uh, green... Behind the ears, um, I don't know, um, what are those babies called that get money? <laughs> Anyways, uh, there are collective individuals, they're spreading actions taken under GAF by other groups and individuals producing educational material, news and analysis related to anti-capitalism, blah, 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 spreading actions taken under GAF by other groups and individuals. GAM aims to provide a safe platform to publicly promote and share the actions taken by other groups and individuals under the GAF banner. Producing educational material. I mean, this is just another one of these people. And yes, we're going to look more into it. Um, usually I like to see, um, like, who, if they have any representation. Like, is anyone here brave enough to show their face and give their name? And, and uh, the newer these organizations spring up, the less and less uh, content and uh, onus anyone has over them. As you can see, there's nothing here, nothing here, nothing coming up. Socials and film nights, nothing coming up. Uh, we'll look at their blog in a second. Flyers. Oh, they have flyers in uh, English, Spanish, Catalan, Greek, and Russian. Oh, I'm not going to waste my time. Well, let's just see one. We'll see one. Capitalism is killing the earth. Capitalism is a game, the rules of which are dedicated. Yeah, let's, let's, let's read this. Capitalism, uh, the rules of which are dedicated. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 
I don't know. So what's the problem with capitalism? Capitalism, whether green or neoliberal, requires the promise of constant growth. Is there anything wrong with growth? But as an economic system, it is inherently unstable, especially when you use fiat currency that's created by a central bank that loans money from thin air at interest to the government and devalues the currency. Yes, it is very unstable. And we often see what happens when the demands of growth cannot be met. Most recently in 2008, but also significantly in the 1920s, when global capitalism almost collapsed entirely. Oh my goodness, these people. Each time, however, the state has been ready to pick up the pieces and make sure we get back to extracting finite resources. They couldn't even, you know, it would have been a better angle if they were like, in 2008, they printed a lot of money, these capitalist pigs, and they bailed out capitalists, the bankers and businesses and their buddies. That would have been a better angle than this. Uh, we almost lost everything in 2008, but uh, because we use your uh, infinite uh, power to print money. Yeah, you were fine. Capitalism. This person probably would not even have been born if capitalism didn't happen. Okay, back to the article. Oops. This rabid need for constant growth and... Who reads a flyer this long? Seriously. What is the green anti-capitalist front? Oh, God. These people are so in their... Uh, they just have these dreams uh these dreams of glory these uh gr grandeur glories of grandeur grandeurs of glory these people i swear and then they're gonna go and they're gonna like you know festoon themselves in like a captain america shields and like i don't know uh, uh pool noodles and go out and hit people with rocks and bricks in the street it's ridiculous these people are ridiculous Let's see what their blog says, and then we'll close up shop here. We're almost out of time. Call for solidarity with Royman, Rui, Ruiman Rodriguez. Ugh. Anarchist repressed, tortured, and persecuted by the Spanish state for housing the poor. I don't know who this Royman Rodriguez is. Um, I will have to look him up. It has nothing to do with America, so I will not be dipping my fingers in that pie just yet. Even though Royman looks like the kind of guy that would not mind it if I did. Um, queer feminist climate activism, a zine. <laughs> By Edinburgh Gaff. Okay, so the Gaff of Ed So they have nothing else better to do but create queer feminism, I guess, literary and art zines. Because they're not really doing anything else over there. Um, <laughs> dare I download... Uh, okay, so these people are apparently planning an affront on, um, what is today? On Saturday? So be on the lookout for Antifa GAF members uh, to be out there in your neighborhood doing something. Probably getting caught in fishing nets and, uh, I don't know, ventilation ducts or something. It seems to, to me that Antifa tends to get stuck in ventilation ducts a lot these days. Um. Uh, uh, sewage ducts as well. Um, all right, let's see what's next. I know it's, we're not reaching here. Oh, was that it? Are we done? I think we're done. Oh, what is this here? Uh, oh, there was another Antifa protest um, uh, somewhere. No one cares. Crown Heights, 
they're trying to abolish ice at a bookstore. Go Antifa, you sure got your priorities straight. You sure got your priorities straight, Antifa. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed the sea report for tonight. Uh, we're running a little bit late tonight, but we had a great time with you all, and we're glad if you uh, stayed up with us and watched along too. Otherwise, catch on the rewind later on. Visit QNAholespodcast.com. And uh, stick around to spell. We'll be back with more C Report tomorrow. We'll be back with more Q&A holes always. Uh, Till then, have a good night. Be safe and take care. This is Mr. C signing out. We will make America great again. Q&A holes. It's going to be only America first. America first. You and they hold You and they hold